Hi, this is Sally and welcome to Reclaiming Pride, LGBT plus survivors of narcissistic abuse. Before we start, there is a trigger warning. The episodes of this podcast may at times refer to domestic violence, emotional, financial and sexual abuse. To begin, as always, I'd like us to have a one word feelings check. What's one word for how you are feeling in this moment? It was the Russian writer Lev Nikolaevich Tolstoy, or Leo Tolstoy, who said, When you love someone, you love the person as they are, and not as you would like them to be. As we go into this week's episode, this is a good touchstone for any time you may be listening and triggered into second-guessing yourself and perhaps wondering if you could have done better. The fact is, you deserve to be loved for who you are, not for what someone's skewed version of you is. This leads us into this week's topic, which is looking at how the narcissist in your life has probably gaslit, tortured, projected onto you using their flawed and immature emotional reasoning. To the narcissist who has the emotional age of a toddler, their feelings are facts, and there really isn't any way you can disprove this to them. But before we dive into this, let's look at what emotional reasoning is, and then we can look at how narcissists use this against you. Emotional reasoning is a cognitive distortion in which people believe that their emotions are accurate reflections of reality. So narcissists are particularly prone to emotional reasoning because they have a strong need to maintain a very positive self-image. So they'll often interpret events and other people's behavior in a way that confirms their own superiority and importance. For example, if a narcissist is feeling insecure, they might interpret a neutral comment from someone as a personal attack. They may also believe that they are entitled to special treatment and that others should be grateful for their presence. Narcissists use emotional reasoning to justify their own bad behavior and to manipulate others. So for example, they might say things to you like, you made me feel bad, so it's your fault that I yelled at you. Or they may even threaten to end a relationship if their partner doesn't give them exactly what they want. I remember when my ex and I would have particularly awful times, and then there would be the makeup phase of the cycle of abuse, and that awful time may come up in conversation. I'd never fail to be really astounded when she would say things like, oh yeah, that was really terrible, wasn't it? God, you remember when you ruined that day? You were so hard to deal with that day. I don't know what was going on with you. So even when we are in a so-called good place, as she liked to call it, I was still being devalued. Even the idealization phase with her was slightly watered down. It was really awful. This part of the narcissist's repertoire when they are idealizing and devaluing you is also part of their emotional landscape and it's called splitting. We're actually going to have a whole episode on the concept of splitting in narcissistic relationships as well. First of all, splitting occurs because narcissists, as you probably have experienced, are very emotionally reactive. They're emotionally reactive because they're constantly in a state of defense against any outward appearance of their interior vulnerability. Their emotional reactivity can take many forms and these can include, but they're not limited to blaming, raging, being aloof, arrogant, getting upset, going into a huff over absolutely nothing, and complete intolerance of other people. This is all made worse by the fact that narcissists possess little to absolutely no empathy for other people, and therefore this gives them even further license to routinely abuse, hurt, and punish others for absolutely no reason other than what is going on inside their own head. This emotional reactivity will vacillate from extreme to less, 
with narcissistic people, and it's all because of their failure as children to internalize psychological milestones. One such psychological milestone as a child would be whole object relations and object constancy. So in a nutshell, whole object relations is the ability that most people have to see ourselves and others as whole and fully integrated human beings. We can be both right and wrong and have both positive and negative qualities. That's usually how people can see other folks. Now, if you've ever known a narcissist or somebody with narcissistic personality disorder, you'll know that they cannot do this. And again, this is called whole object relations. This is where the word splitting comes in. Narcissists experience a kind of mental splitting because they lack this sense of whole object relations. These people cannot view others or even themselves as complex beings who can be good or bad or indifferent all at the same time. This is way too nuanced for a narcissist. It is then that they experience what we call splitting. So instead of viewing people or things as nuanced, they view them in opposite extremes as either perfect or worthless, as angels or demons, all good or all bad. There is no middle ground with the narcissist. Have you ever experienced this with your narcissistic partner, friend or family member? It is extremely likely that you have. As whole object relations and also a lack of object constancy are hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic people also lack this object constancy. Now, this is the ability to maintain an emotional connection and positive feelings about someone when we are physically apart from them. So, for example, if something happens to the narcissist partner, child, friend or family member while they are out of the narcissist company, this will be completely divorced from what the narcissist generally knows about this individual. So, for example, if the narcissist child gets into trouble at school for arguing or fighting with another child, the narcissist would immediately react with rage and anger and forget that this child is normally a peaceful being and that this may have been something to do with an altercation with another child. So there's no nuance, there's no middle ground here. We will also see a lack of object constancy in people who have attachment disorders and it actually comes from the same place. Both the psychological deficits of whole object relations and also lack of object constancy in the narcissist are believed to have come from a disrupted or dysfunctional attachment to primary caregivers in early childhood. All of this means that they will constantly oscillate between idealizing and devaluing themselves and other people. Eleanor Greenberg, author of Borderline, Narcissistic and Schizoid Adaptations, The Pursuit of Love, Admiration and Safety, writes... Most of the abuse of romantic partners occurs because the narcissistic abuser lacks object constancy and literally forgets that they care about their partner and all the positive history and good moments are now totally out of awareness. When someone lacks this ability, it increases the likelihood that they will cheat on their partner. So having now seen that a lack of whole object relations and also a lack of object constancy can play an intrinsic role in the narcissist's emotional reasoning, we now have some background to what's going on internally for the narcissist when they are torturing those around them with their immature emotional reasoning. So now here are some specific examples of how narcissists might default to emotional reasoning. If a narcissist feels jealous, they may accuse their partner of cheating even if there is no evidence. If a narcissist feels criticized, they may become defensive and lash out at the person who criticized them. 
If the narcissist feels rejected, they may try and win back the person who rejected them by doing something dramatic or over the top. And if a narcissist feels bored, which is very often, they may impulsively change their job, relationship or living situation. Incidentally, and I will say this, it is important to note that emotional reasoning is not always a bad thing. It can be helpful to pay attention to our emotions and use them to guide our decision making. However, when people default to emotional reasoning, we stop thinking critically and we make decisions based on our feelings alone. So now that we've defined it, let's look at how the narcissist's emotional reasoning can be extremely damaging in relationships. So as we've seen, the narcissist's use of emotional reasoning in relationships can be extremely destructive. So they might do some of the following or all. Accuse their partners of things they haven't done, so based on their own fears and insecurities. So for example, the narcissistic partner might accuse their spouse of cheating, even if there's no evidence, because they are feeling insecure about their own relationship. They may become defensive and lash out at their partner. When they're criticized, narcissists have a very fragile ego, and they are very sensitive to criticism. They may see any criticism as a personal attack, and they may respond by becoming defensive and lashing out at their partner. Narcissists use guilt and manipulation to get their partners to do what they want. So narcissists may say things like, if you love me, you would do this for me, or you're making me feel so bad to guilt their partners into doing what they want. Narcissists also make their partners feel responsible for their own behavior. So narcissists may say things to you like, you made me do this, or you pushed me to my limit, or I had to hit you because you pushed me there to justify their own behavior and avoid taking responsibility for their own actions. So let's get into this a little further. As we've seen, narcissistic personalities believe that feelings are facts. As we've also said, relying on our emotions to help us navigate situations is not a bad thing at all. They are a healthy part of reasoning. That's just it, though. They are a part of reasoning, not all of it. It becomes problematic when people consistently rely too much on their emotions, and then the result is that they are routinely giving their emotions more weight and their interpretations of their emotions or decisions than they are giving to the evidence and actual facts at hand. Sometimes when we're talking about emotional reasoning, you might also hear the phrase cognitive distortion. This is also sometimes called negative thinking patterns. These are thinking errors that result in an incorrect or exaggerated interpretation of real events or experiences. Pure emotional reasoning leads to misinterpretation of events, people's words and actions, etc. As you've probably experienced, this is very destabilizing and traumatic to be subject to. Basically, above all else, the narcissist's feelings are considered to be evidence or proof of the reality of how things actually are. Their emotions are therefore relied upon more than the actual facts of the situation and carry more weight in their interpretation of their experience. For example, they might say, I feel like my co-workers are out to sabotage me, a very common theme with narcissists. Therefore, this is actually what is happening. Or they might say, I feel like you're intentionally trying to anger or embarrass me, and therefore you really are trying to intentionally anger and embarrass me. And all the subsequent punishment for that will follow. This could also culminate in verbal, emotional, and even physical abuse. I've experienced this countless times with my ex. Due to her emotional reasoning and her skewed ways of putting things together and seeing the world and other people. For narcissistic individuals, this goes even further into a circular logic that is impossible to penetrate. For example, 
It isn't just that I have concluded that you were trying to anger me on purpose. The fact that I feel angry in the first place is then undeniable proof that this was in fact your goal and there is no other possible interpretation of the situation. The mere fact that I got angry about what you said or did is proof that you did it on purpose and said it specifically to make me angry. I mean, I wouldn't feel like that if you didn't make me feel that way. So for the narcissist, this is evidence that proves the facts and boom, that's how it works for them. Day in and day out with everyone. Please do not confuse this with intuition or even gut feelings. That's something else that most other folks have. No, this is pure cognitive distortion. Instead of any introspection to understand where these feelings may be stemming from, or to try and see these things from another person's point of view, the narcissist's feelings are patently facts from the get-go. My ex used to believe she was so good at reading people. And yet, as I've said on earlier episodes of this podcast, if she described someone you'd never met to you, and then you met them, you'd see almost no similarity between the real person and the person who she described to you. You'd realize that what she told you was actually her own, projected, nasty, skewed view of them. In essence, her own projected and distorted self-image. In fact, narcissists are actually reading people through their own emotional lens and these emotions as distorting the truth. This unfalsifiable and ego-driven knee-jerk reinforcement of their own skewed interpretation of the events creates a negative emotional reaction in the narcissist that is often way out of proportion to what's actually going on, and it's all based on what they are telling themselves about what's happening, and it bears very little relationship to reality. This is one of the major reasons why narcissists cannot hold down jobs for an extended period of time, friendships, and relationships. So for example, in the workplace, it will only be a matter of time before they start interpreting people and or events at their job through this purely emotional reasoning lens. This then leads to overgeneralization, mind reading, telling you and others what you are thinking and feeling and gaslighting others into the narcissist's distorted worldview. When anyone pushes back at their narcissist's lack of insight, they might explode in narcissistic rage give the silent treatment, damage property, and even become physically violent. My ex did all of the above to differing degrees, clearly depending on how bad she was feeling in that moment. I remember one of the things my ex accused me of constantly from the start right up until the end of our 13-year relationship was being negative. This was pure projection. Narcissists place utmost importance on their feelings, particularly their negative feelings. Narcissists have a chronically negative and egocentric view of things anyway. These negative feelings are the result of their distorted inner landscape, their negative thoughts, and their perception problems. For example, when a narcissist feels bad after a compliment, this then becomes proof that the person complimenting them is trying to shame them or trying to upset them. You could have just attempted to give your loved one, family member, or friend a compliment from the heart, and then they savagely attack you either immediately or later on, accusing you of ulterior motives, slights, and downright hatred and jealousy. Have you ever experienced that? Narcissists experience their feelings as coming from external sources as well. So this is really important. The problem of this is you cannot argue with someone's feelings. This is called an unfalsifiable hypothesis. And again, we're actually going to have a whole episode on what this is and how it works. 
When you try to tell the narcissist they don't need to be upset because their interpretation of the event is incorrect or mistaken, that is received as telling them their feelings are wrong or as trying to gaslight them and invalidate them. If I had a dollar for every time this happened to me with my ex, I'd have a house next to Oprah's. I remember even leaning over her once when she was laying down and trying to talk gently with her about this sort of thing. She looked infuriated and silent as I spoke. She then suddenly snapped and banged me so hard in the temple that I literally saw stars. Narcissists can rarely separate the facts from their feelings, and therefore they're not able to have this kind of discussion. It just doesn't compute for them. They engage in incessant black and white thinking, another thing my ex would accuse me of, and then just can't appreciate the context that you're trying to talk through. They'll reject your version of things at all times because their cognitive distortion trumps everything else. Also, don't forget that the narcissist's purpose is to win. This saves them from ego trauma or what is also known as narcissistic injury. Truly pathological narcissists are incapable of seeing their emotional reasoning for what it is and therefore there is absolutely no point in ruining your own health by trying to justify, argue, defend or explain anything to these people. They wholly believe that you and everyone else are the problem and that it is highly unlikely that they will ever see otherwise. Don't be fooled though. They do know the difference between what is acceptable and what is not. They do know what is okay and what is not okay. For example, if they are violent to you, they know that that is wrong. They know fully. They just believe it is justified because their emotional reasoning tells them you push them to that point and therefore it is your fault and that was the inevitable outcome. Whether you are still trapped in the relationship with a narcissist or free of it, I know that this is a lot to digest. Knowledge, though, as always, is power, and it's always good to understand what either is happening or has happened to you. As LGBT plus people, we often withstand enough invalidation and prejudice in society at large as it is, let alone having to withstand further abuse at home. I understand. So let's take a short break to regroup, and I'll be back after that with this week's listener questions and answer. I'll see you in a moment. Welcome back. This week's question from our listener is, are there any accurate portrayals of people with narcissistic personality disorder in movies or TV? So I'd say there are. Um, I've put together a few that I think are pretty accurate from either my experience or what I've read or from what I've heard from other folks with NPD partners, friends and family members of differing degrees. So the first I'd mention is the character of Patrick Bateman. Um, he's the protagonist of the book and film American Psycho. He exhibits many traits of the classic grandiose narcissist. He also, of course, does merge into malignancy and then, of course, to the, the end of the scale, which is ASPD or antisocial personality disorder or psychopathy. So by diagnosis, I guess, if you if you put a clinician on it, they'd say he was a psychopath, but he does exhibit many narcissistic traits because they are they do overlap and they are comorbid with one another. 
The next one I'd mention for any Harry Potter fans out there is actually Professor Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series of movies. Uh, She's a classic example of a narcissistic character. She has a need for control, her disdain for anyone who doesn't fit her worldview. Her appearance is very kind of, she's always wearing pink and kind of sweet looking. This really does belie who she is underneath. She has this saccharine sweet voice, this tight bun and flowery dresses. She has a complete lack of empathy and malignant self-righteousness. She silences others, is emotionally and physically abusive, and also appears to derive narcissistic supply from doing all of these things. So I'd say she's a pretty good candidate. The next is actually a real, a a true story. So it's Joan Crawford as portrayed in the movie Mummy Dearest. So she's the perfect example. This portrayal is the perfect example of a narcissistic parent. In fact, her character in the film also displays a comorbidity with BPD, so that's borderline personality disorder, and also HPD, that's histrionic personality disorder, although she is predominantly narcissistic in this movie. Then there's the character of Gregory, the narcissistic husband in the 1944 film Gaslight. This is actually where we derive the term gaslighting from. He tries to drive his wife to madness by gaslighting her um, throughout the film. He's actually trying to kill her and, and get the inheritance that she would leave should she pass away. The next one is TV. Um, So I'd say the character of Don Draper in Mad Men. He constantly is covering up his past and creates his narcissistic mask for the viewer to see. He's also distant, shallow, and yet can be superficially charming. So these are all narcissistic traits. Then also the character in the film August Osage County, the character of Violet Weston. She's the narcissistic matriarch. She has a lot of NPD traits that are pretty classic. So the film shows the tendency of narcissistic mothers to twist the relationship with their children to satisfy their own selfish needs. So Violet's tactics include gaslighting, guilt tripping, manipulation, and using her own stories about her own childhood abuse as an excuse for her toxic behavior. This is very common. The film also explores the impact of a narcissistic parent on the children. So one example being her eldest daughter's fears of becoming just like her mother herself and thus repeating the cycle of abuse. Then on Netflix, if you have Netflix, there's also the character of Joe in the series You. While he mostly exhibits traits that are closely associated with ASPD, he does also exhibit traits akin to narcissistic personality disorder. So have you seen any other film or TV portrayals that I've not mentioned here? Drop me a line on the Instagram or Facebook pages for this podcast if you'd like to suggest anything further. And thank you for that question. I hope that helped to answer it. Please note, this podcast is not intended to replace professional therapy or counselling. It serves as a supplementary resource for support and encouragement. Listeners, you are encouraged to seek professional help if needed. I did, and it still works for me every day. Stay tuned, and I look forward to healing with you again next time. Bye-bye.